0: What is going on? I want to welcome you from half court on a beautiful October Wednesday. I am Sean Murphy, joined by the Scott Burrell to my Michael Jordan, Troy Sergi. Troy, how you doing?
1: Doing pretty good, Sean. Doing pretty good.
0: I loved how insulted you looked by that.
1: By that uh, I thought you were gonna first say Scott Skiles, and I was like Scott Skiles to Michael Jordan. <laughs> I went with Scott Morrell. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. But Sean, what's going on next week?
0: The NBA season starts next week, Troy.
1: Woo!
0: I thought you were I thought you were winding up for a way bigger move than that. So like I was thrown off because you were just like, you were doing the full wind up, and it was just like Yay! <laughs> <laughs>
1: how about i dab on it how about that no okay no that
0: was worse
1: that was worse all right right. hey
0: that's okay though troy hey i like i like where your energy's at Um, for effort exactly so troy i i have been watching so much basketball a unhealthy amount um once i found out about the feature on league pass where um so essentially there's a feature on league pass and apparently this has just been a thing and I'm just new to it. And you know, I'm just living in a bubble, but it essentially, it gives you a, a, like a possession recap, essentially it's called. And so it's a condensed version of the game. You get to watch every single possession. It's like makes misses. You get to see pretty much how their offense runs. You get a general idea of what's going on and you can watch an entire game in 40 minutes. And so I've been, I've been able to see almost every game because of it. I mean, obviously, you know, like I I still tune in. I still try to tune in live for like certain games. Like I I've been watching like I watched like the first quarter of the Celtics, um, the Celtics Raptors preseason game the other night. I watched a quarter of the Heat and the Hornets. I watched Mm -hmm. um, I watched a lot of the Bulls. That yeah. team has been insanely me fun. Me too.
1: Hopefully, we can talk just briefly on that because oh, that was a game I watched too. A-
0: absolutely. Let's okay. let's do that right now. There, there is so I actually put out a video yesterday. It's up on it's up on this channel. So be sure to check it out. Talking about the the highs and lows of the preseason for me, and the mm-hmm. Bulls have been they have been my my highest of high. They have just been so fun to watch. So. Um, mm-hmm. they, they are probably going to be the contender for the league past team of the year because wow, they are fun. Um, what, uh, what have you noticed, Troy? Like, what are your, what are your impressions of the bulls? Do you think, uh, do you think, what do you think of them now that you've seen them in action is I think a good way to ask
1: it. Two words. Lonzo ball. Lonzo ball, man. He's coming out. He is coming out Mm -hmm. in Chicago.
0: Troy, Um, I'm I know it's just the preseason. So I want to preface what I'm about to say with that. Okay. If he keeps playing like this, he's winning most improved player.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say the exact same thing. You
0: it, it like if he keeps playing like this, M I P. 100% 100% and it, it just I don't know about you Troy but I, I was really pissed with how he was handled in New Orleans because I, I felt like they were just they like it felt like the first year when he was with Alvin Gentry they, they put the keys in his hands and he was able to run the offense and when Zion was healthy like they actually played insanely well together Um, and then this past year Stan Van Gundy just for whatever reason doesn't like Lonzo and so put him in a in a reduced role. Chicago put the keys in his hands, and mm-hmm. it has been glorious to watch.
1: Right, and, and I guess I kind of thought, you know, DeRozan would be, I guess, the number one option, and he still could be. He very well still could be. But On team? I, I see a put. I see a potential of Alonzo being a number one option for that team. Right, right. Well, well.
0: As far as. I mean, Zach Levine's the number one.
1: Oh right, right. Yeah, right, Zach right.
0: Levine's the number one option. But like, as far as like, um, as far as like the primary ball handler—that's
1: kind I, of what I, I meant. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Primary ball handler. I definitely think, um, you know. But like the the thing that's kind of special about that team is you have you have three guys on the court that all can do it,
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: mm-hmm. you have Vucevic who can also do some playmaking from the perimeter too.
1: Who can kind of do it? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, yeah. And that is a good team, Sean. It is gonna be fun.
0: Um, where do you think um so like is there anything that like what like what were what were the things that stood out to you the most in particular of things you liked? What stuck out yeah. as as con- like was there anything that you had question marks about?
1: Uh, no not necessarily. I think their spacing was actually really impressive. I like how they spaced the floor and then mm-hmm. and their their um their passing was good and um you know they kind of played very much, you know, a pass first kind of offense that I Mm -hmm. I thought at least. And that Mm -hmm. was fun to watch, especially, you know, when you got guys on the wings that can shoot it. Um, You know, that was something that I think in this modern league, you know, you need that to compete. And uh, I saw that a lot from Chicago, uh, a little bit of preseason that I've watched. Um, And I guess, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's ratified, but like you said, when you, when you have a team like that, Like, like, it's kind of like a JV version of Brooklyn, right? Or a freshman version of Brooklyn, where you have guys like like last year's team with Kyrie, Harden, and Durant, where it's like, you know, all can score. All can be beyond number one options. Mm -hmm. Um, But... And and sometimes I think with those guys' personality, especially where they're coming from, you know, Vucevic from Orlando and Ball from Lakers, and then and Pelicans, and then Derozan from a, a Raptors and Spurs type of team, where you know they kind of were the little bit of face of the franchise kind of thing. So I think meshing them all together might be a little bit difficult, at least the beginning of the season. Uh, but I guess you know, all all three guys are kind of at a point in their careers where it's like, well how are we going to be discussed 10, 15 years down the road after we retire? Right. I mean, I Mm -hmm. think all of them are in that stage of like, they're all good players, but none of them have done anything to put them over the hump of being hall of famer. Right. Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I think, um, I think to your point uh, in my opinion, I think this team can go as far as Zach Levine takes them. And I think that's ultimately what it comes down to because um, you do have guys in this team that individually have all shown a certain level of skill, but have never quite achieved what we thought that they could. Um, like, Like, I think the amazing thing about guys like Vucevic and DeMar DeRozan in particular is they are guys that are really good like just high skill players and it is amazing how much they can do that is directly um, that like how much their game translates to winning basketball yet how little their teams win you Mm -hmm. know what I mean because it's not like they're just it's not like they're just padding the stats like they're like if you watch Vucevic and you watch DeRozan play, like you can point out the things that they do positively for their team, right? And so, um, I think now in a situation where DeMar DeRozan has a lot to prove because uh, we really stopped talking about the San Antonio Spurs when he went there, and we really, um, you know, Nikola Vucevic has a lot to prove because he's been an All Star, but at the same time, people don't even people don't even really know what his game is right they don't know that he's been um, a top five big in this league for years you know mm-hmm. and then you have Lonzo who I think has so much to pro- like he has so mm-hmm. much potential and has gotten clowned on so, and hard, so much
1: to prove right
0: and a, like a lot to prove in that sense but then you look at Zach Levine who's like I'm a superstar I'm a top five guy in this league you know like he he, I'm sure he fully believes that, but, like, he just never had the supporting cast. So now, hey, Zach Levine, you got guys around you, and he is, Zach Levine is special. He can mm-hmm. put up 30 easy without mm-hmm. sweating. So yes. um, I think this, that's why I say this team can go as far mm-hmm. as he takes them because if he is, if he does prove to be that kind of Devin Booker kind of player that just that just proves that he just needed to get there, then Mm -hmm. this team could be a sleeper for the Eastern conference finals. You know, this, this is a team that could give Philly some scares. It could give Milwaukee some scares. You know, Um, I don't see any team other than Brooklyn still coming out of the Eastern conference, even with what we know as of today, which we'll get to. But I, I think, um, you know, if, if, if Zach Levine's that guy, this roster is awesome and this is going to be fun. If he's not that guy, uh, then there'll be like a middle of the pack Eastern conference team.
1: Yeah. That's a great assessment, Sean. I I couldn't agree more. And I think what what impresses me about Levine too, is his athleticism uh, of really how he can get to the hole, how he can dish it, how he can shoot. Like he's an all around, you know, he's kind of your perfect NBA player with his body and his, and his skill size. Yeah.
0: So, you know, like those athletes that are so skilled, and are so athletic that it doesn't even look like it takes any effort.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? Like, he's he's one of those athletes that he exerts so much, like, so much athletic energy. And he does so much, yet it looks like it doesn't even affect him. And that's the thing that blows my freaking mind. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But... That, that's just the tip of the iceberg, ladies and gentlemen, because this is From Half Court, where each and every week Troy and I sit down and we talk all things NBA basketball. If you'd like that, be sure to leave a like and, and subscribe to this channel, where From Half Court has NBA content multiple days a week. You can also find this podcast audibly, so be sure to go anywhere that your heart desires for podcasts around the globe. You can follow Troy on Twitter at troysergio 44 and you can follow me at Sean Half Court. And one more thing, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow on this channel, a brand new podcast featuring myself and one of my best friends as the host, the Pizza, po- the Pizza Palace podcast coming out Thursday. Check it out right here on this channel. Oh, yeah. But with that, Troy, we got some news to talk about. We got a lot to talk about. This is a... The last few weeks are, you know, like kind of like that dead zone of like September and like the very, very beginning of October is just dead and there's nothing to talk about. We do not have those issues anymore because there is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about, Um, starting with Kyrie Irving. So news today from the Brooklyn Nets camp. Sean Marks releases a public statement saying that Kyrie Irving will not be with the team. He will not be allowed in Nets facilities. He will not play in any games unless he can be a full-time participant. A.K.A. unless he gets the vaccine. This coming directly from Woj and a statement from Sean Marks. I'm going to pull that up right now. But, Troy, what was your gut reaction after you saw that?
1: Didn't surprise me, but it really did not surprise me, Sean. Uh, I, I think Kyrie has taken the the stance, you know, leading up to this point that he will not get the vaccine, period. And, you know, we talked about last time, uh, maybe when these guys see a cut in their paycheck or or this and that. And in my head, I was thinking, you know, maybe the other guys, not Kyrie Irving right Mm. I I just think he's such a different he's such a different stubborn beast uh, compared to the other guys and you know he's firm of this and yes I I was a little bit I was a little bit shocked in Brooklyn's choice but what I was not shocked about was that Kyrie Irving still withstood his ground if that Mm. makes sense yeah Um, and 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 I you know i, I think it, it comes down to the seriousness on one of the virus of how many people across the country and world have have you know died up because of this 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 virus and mm-hmm. you know living in the united states too we have we have the vaccine and and some other countries have a vaccine but it's not as effective as the pfizer moderna that we have here in the united states so uh, unfortunately especially living in a big city it it's something that needs to get done. It's something that the yep. league has been stressing. The league has not stopped stressing. And he's had all the time in the world to to get this shot. Um when the rest of the world is paying for it.
0: Well and, so, and here's the and here's the ahead. thing. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I, I think it's important to remember that um to, to your point, first of all, the NBA is not mandating that its players get vaccinated. They are putting heavy Um, incentives and things about quality of life and what you can and can't do if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. But Mm -hmm. this is this has been something that was put in place by by the city of New York was these mandates. And so, um, you know, Brooklyn. You know, they were in a situation where um, they had one of their players, right, where uh, they have 41 home games a year, 41 away games, Mm Mm-hmm if you are trying to win an NBA championship and one of your best players is making the decision because he does have a choice in the matter. Mm -hmm. He very much does. You know, he can choose to get the vaccine and play this season and be there, but he is actively deciding not to. And um, I also was doing some reading. I do have that statement from Sean Marks. Um, I'll share that real quick. Um, So Sean Marks was quoted by saying Kyrie has made it clear he has a choice in this matter and he says uh, Sean Marks does say it's his right to do that but it's in the organization's best interest to take this decision. Sean Marks also said quote the hope is that we'll have Kyrie back we'll welcome him back with open arms under different circumstances Um, and and a lot of the reporting also made it sound like um, James Harden and. Kevin Durant were, were involved in the decision. Um, they were part of the discussion of what to do going forward. So, um, it says something that, um, that this happened. Um, and there's even, even Stephen A was suggesting things like, um, like Kevin Durant at this point would be okay with Kyrie Irving, um, getting traded. He didn't officially come on the record and say that, but he did heavily insinuate things like that. Mm -hmm. But according to the athletic, this is the insight of why Kyrie Irving is not choosing to get the vaccine. So this is directly from the athletic. I want to share this, not and this isn't to get political, but this is just what his reason is. And I think that's important to acknowledge those reports. Those, the uh, article from the athletic reads quote, Multiple sources with direct knowledge of Irving's decision have told The Athletic that Irving is not anti-vaccine and that his stance is that he is upset that people are losing their jobs due to vaccine mandates. It's a stance that Irving has explained to close teammates. To him, this is about a grander fight than the one on the court, and Irving is challenging a perceived control of society and people's livelihood, according to sources with knowledge of Irving's mindset. It is a decision that he believes he is capable of making capable to make given his current life dynamics. Kyrie wants to be a voice for the voiceless, one source said. And so reading that, you know, it it, it sounds way more sane than what the Rolling Stones article made him sound um, because golly, that made him not sound so good. Um, So like this one, this one at least reads better, but my issue with it, um, because I just made a quote to it. I was like, okay, so let's say this is Kyrie Irving's stance, right? Um, first of all, why is he not saying anything publicly about the issue if he has an agenda behind this decision? If That's this big. Is, if this is something that he truly believes in deeply, that there are people that are victims for losing their jobs due to not, uh, due to people getting forced to get the vaccine, Right. But the problem is, is that those people are making a choice because employers have the right to mandate the vaccine. And if it affects their bottom line, which it affects almost every single employer's bottom line to whether or not they're vaccinated due to health guidelines, um, they have the right to choose. And guess what? Certain employers have those mandates and you as an employee have a choice. Do you comply with the mandate or do you not? If you accept, you keep your employment. If you decline, you are choosing to leave. That is not you getting fired. That is you quitting because you are deciding to not get the vaccine. So I understand if Kyrie wants to, uh, wants to have a conversation about what should and shouldn't be mandated, that's a different conversation. But here's the problem. He's not even looking to have a conversation because if he truly was, he wouldn't just do that in the background and not have any anything to say about. It. That's the thing that doesn't make sense to me. And and this is what will always confuse me about Kyrie Irving is that he always has has a heart or always has a purpose behind what he does. But the way that he handles it publicly is never productive to his cause. And that is something that is just going to boggle my mind every single day. Yeah.
1: And and Sean, too, another thing I saw, um, I guess people close to the organization have said that, um, you know, there has been talks inside Kyrie Irving's circle about potentially retiring. Did you hear that, too? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that for a second.
0: Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. I honestly, that's been my gut feeling for a while now is Kyrie... It just he just seems like he's so close to retirement. Like from from a physical standpoint, he could he could play for another 12, 13 years.
1: Another, um, you say?
0: I Yeah, I, I think physically he could play. He could play for a while now if he wanted to, in my opinion, if he wanted yeah, to. I, I
1: would I would say probably maybe nine, but he's, not he's 26.
0: Not
1: well. Yeah, he's like he's
0: like mid 20s. He's, he's 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 and here's the thing. Like yeah, he's had injuries, but he hasn't had any truly devastating injuries. And the Man. way that in the way that he plays the game, how efficient he is, how much he does, he can play till he's 40.
1: I don't he's, think Kyrie's 26. I think he's 20, 27 or 28.
0: He's 29. So 29. I will I will I will correct. Yeah. He is he is 29. However, I stand by my statement. But anyway,
1: it, it would be it would be a tragedy if if we if we have ne- if we will never see Kyrie Irving on a basketball court again. That mm-hmm. will be a tragedy.
0: He he uh, to me, he just never has seemed truly invested in the game. The game is not primary to Kyrie, and that's okay. If it's not if it's not your priority, that is perfectly fine. However, you also, um, owe it to your teammates that if you are in that kind of situation, um, you know, that is, you know, you are making a choice to not commit to your teammates and, and to, uh, to, uh, violate your contract with nets. You know, that's, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, um, if, if he is, if he is questioning whether or not he's truly, Um, dedicated to being a full-time basketball player, then that's a decision he has to make and all good on him. But, uh, you know, to me, this is just the fact that we could see the end of a, of a career or the end of a run that we never really even got in Brooklyn would just be so infuriating. So.
1: Mm -hmm. um, And let's talk quick. What does this do to a current Brooklyn Nets team? of not having Kyrie Irving on the court anymore.
0: Do you want my honest opinion or do you want my analyst opinion?
1: Both. All right. I know your honest opinion. I know your honest opinion.
0: My honest opinion is that it's addition by subtraction. Um, I think it frees them up a lot more. I think, uh, I think my honest opinion is the more you can have the hand, the ball in the hands of James Harden than Kyrie Irving. I think the better from a schematic standpoint, because I think, um, I think James Harden is a more talented playmaker as far as distributing the ball to his teammates. And I think sometimes Kyrie can overshoot. Um, so I think they'll be fine in that standpoint. And um, But I wonder how this would work as far as salary cap. Because then does that mean that that would open that slot to potentially sign players in free agency or the buyout market in the middle of the season? Does that mean that they can... Um, that they can make trades and possibly um, like, you know, work their way up and getting some more decent role players. Like, you know, I, to me, that's where my head goes. Um, So I, I think, I think ultimately they're still my championship favorites because I think Kevin Durant and James Harden are two of the three best players in the world. Um, But it definitely, you, you do have to acknowledge that anytime you lose a player that talented, Um, that, that hurts because let's be honest, if Kyrie Irving was healthy, um, the Milwaukee Bucks would not be champions. That's just, that's just fact.
1: (laughs) That is a fact.
0: So, um, what about you, Troy? What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I think as far as that question of my, my honest opinion of what does this do? I, I I think, yeah, I think long-term it, it, it may have set them up for a better, a better player to run the, on the point. But I think. Um, my answer is the team will go as far as Kevin Durant will take them, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's mm-hmm. that simple, just like the Chicago thing. And um, I think that
0: was the case even with Kyrie Irving on the roster, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, I guess I don't really know how much they, they lose. I, I say maybe, maybe three games tops. I mean, I will. More.
0: I mean I will say this. I, I it puts more pressure on Kevin Durant and James Harden that
1: But I think um, they're ready for the pressure.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean like the pressure in the playoffs, obviously. What I'm saying is it's really more so about the workload. Um it just mm-hmm. adds on more wear and tear. Like you don't really you're like, you know, you're gonna be playing more minutes, you're gonna be asked to do more on the offensive end. Like, yes, your stats will benefit. However, um will will your health maintain when when the playoff time comes around, yeah. because I mean, let's be honest, they both were out for significant periods of time last past season, and Kevin Durant, he always has health as a question mark. when When he is healthy, you know, he wins. When he's not, it's kind of hard to. So,
1: right. Another thing too, just a, something that quickly popped in my head was, if if Kyrie retires from the NBA, do you see him playing overseas? No. Okay.
0: Um, I, if anything, I could see him retiring for like a year or two and coming back eventually too. Um, cause that's the thing with Kyrie is if, it, you know, whatever decision he makes, he changes his mind the next day, right? So, um, I could see him coming back to the game someday. But also, um, I think, um, if Kyrie, if, if Kyrie does stay retired or if Kyrie does retire, I think he's become, I think he's going to try to become a political ad, ad uh, uh, political activist activist. yeah so that's that's where i see him going because that's that's where it seems like his a lot a lot of his interests are is on these societal issues um so you know if if that's really what his his stances are then i think it's time you know in that case if he wants to put some action behind his words then go do it otherwise you know we'll see what happens so Mm -hmm. yeah so that, that, you know, I I don't know if there's much else to say beyond that. I think you and I are both hoping he gets the vaccine and that he's on the court as soon as possible, um, because it really isn't to me, it just isn't worth sacrificing all that. You know what I mean? But yeah, especially knowing that, you know, any misconceptions of the vaccine that this is based on are. Not true. And so it's just makes it frustrating in that light. All right. Next up. On topics of conversation. Ben Simmons. Week two of Simmons watch. Here on from half court. Comes an update. That. Seemed like the only natural. Next step. Other than getting traded. However. However. The way that this all went down is the weirdest thing I've heard in the game of basketball in quite some time. Um, So, Troy, do you know know everything about this story? I guess I don't. Do you know about how he showed up and they didn't even know?
1: I did not hear that.
0: Okay, Troy, this story is incredible. So, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell everybody. So... Ben Simmons right him and his camp um, as it's all getting reported yesterday um, or on Monday as of as of when this comes out that Ben Simmons and clutch sports you know his camp are having conversations and it looks like they're progressing towards having Ben Simmons return to the team by the end of the week um that so that was the discussion those are the reports and that was what we were working off of and the and the Philadelphia 76ers that is exactly what they were expecting so then you know obviously that's a big story um Philadelphia they're having a preseason game against Brooklyn and all of a sudden um Elton Brand gets a text saying Ben Simmons is outside the team facility He's here to get a COVID test. And so Ben Simmons, out of the blue, without talking to anybody, hasn't talked to anybody in the organization for three months, just shows up on the night that his team is having a preseason game that he is actively not there for to get his preliminary COVID test to come and join the team just shows up and doesn't even say a word to anybody. The general manager, Elton Brand, found out through a text message.
1: <laughs> oh Isn't that God.
0: just insane? Yeah. Like, your franchise player, you know, and, and, and I was, uh, I, I actually just, because uh, I, <laughs> I recorded uh, my podcast with Robert before this, And I kind of thought about this analogy that you'll kind of hear here first, I guess, where it's kind of like, you know, from the Sixers side, it must just be puzzling because it's like, let me get this straight. You're the one that blew up that blew the series for us. You're the one that wouldn't take the layup. You're the one that wouldn't improve your game and get better at jump shooting. You're the one that that is the problem as to why we're not winning. And we have you on on under contract for four more years at $30 million, and you're the one that's unhappy? (laughs) And now you just show up completely out of the blue, right at our front door. Like, what in the world, Troy? What do you— Yeah, uh,
1: that's so weird. yeah, I was gonna say like he was using L.A. for a while, right? Just like yeah, enjoying his summer and doing whatever Ben Simmons does in the summer. Um, yeah, and the fact that he came to Philly from L.A. just to what get a COVID test and meet with the team, well, Practice with the team.
0: Hmm. and that's the thing we don't know, is, and, and
1: we we straight up don't know how, where, what, who, why. <laughs> right. Well, so
0: I mean, we know why. It's because um, he was getting fined $340,000 a day for not showing up, which um, what they did is apparently the way that his contract works is he gets paid essentially the first half or like the first third of his salary at like the first day of training camp. And so like they essentially took he was supposed to get paid like eight and a half million dollars. And so they took that. And they put it in what's called like an escrow account. So like they just put it on the side. And apparently, instead of just like fine like doing a fine like they like traditionally would, they took the money that they owed him, put it in this account, and were just taking that money out of that eight and a half million. So it was like he was just losing so much of that contract money that he just wouldn't be able to get back otherwise. So like Mm -hmm. they kind of played it brilliantly. Like I honestly like props to Daryl Morey for like sticking to his guns, calling them on their bluff because, you know, clearly this thing that like, Oh, he ain't showing up no matter what. I mean, Hey, here he is. Uh Yeah. So, um, you know, as far as what's next, um, Troy, a gut reaction. Do you think there's a chance he even plays another game in a Philly uniform?
1: Yeah, we've had this discussion on the podcast, and I guess our answer before was no. And I guess the answer now is probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I still think, if anything, Sean, this makes such a weird situation that, like, why would they want – To me, it's too weird to to put them in a Sixers uniform again, right? And that's my opinion. It's too weird. It's too weird to put this behind them and just say, all right, well, if Ben Simmons wants to put on the uniform now, I guess we'll let him. Like, I feel like it's already too much damage in in all the situation. It's already too much weirdness, too much selfishness, too much everything that just is stupid. Go ahead.
0: but, But the problem is, and the conundrum in all of this is the last thing, the thing that both sides want is to be separated, right? Yeah. As it seems. Philly insists that they want him. They they, they insist that he's a part of their future. They're trying to convince him to come back. But in reality, they're doing what their only move is, and it's showing that, Ben, this is your only move too, that the only way that we separate is by working together. Because the only way Ben Simmons is getting out of Philly at this point. Is if he improves his trade value. And Philly gets something that they're okay with. Because a contract is a two-way street. Like yeah, you get paid all this money. But on the other hand. Philly paid you because. And they, and they own the rights to Ben Simmons as an NBA player. For the next four years. So at this point, the only thing that would really make sense on Philly's side is to try to get Ben Simmons to come back to play through, play up to the all-star break around the trade deadline. Hope that there's a disgruntled star and a team looks at Ben Simmons and go, okay, you know what? He's having a good season. His values up. Let's trade. Why not? Like, like the wizards, like let's say Bradley Beal decides he's never going to sign. He's not going to sign with them over the off season. Right. Like, that could be a situation where they go, "Hey, let's let's pull the trigger," but the, that doesn't happen with Ben Simmons staying at home. But yet again, mm-hmm. but yet again, you're in this situation where do you really want to throw him in that locker room when they all exactly. know that he doesn't want to be there, and also exactly. and with Joel, yeah, yeah, and with Joel and Bead, like like how do you how do you reintroduce Ben into that locker room, especially right. when they told when he told them to not come to L.A.
1: And that that right there is why I don't think there is an answer to that question, Sean. And another thing, too, what you, you talked about a GM of another team looking at Ben Simmons in a quote-unquote halfway through the year kind of scenario of, of how he's been playing, say he plays this year. But what I have to say about that is, You've had four years. Like there's not. You've had four years to look at Ben Simmons, right? Like there's nothing that any GM doesn't know already about Ben Simmons that would have the slightest interest. So, in my opinion, if I'm Philly, if I'm honest to God, Philly, Sean, I take a cheap end deal. But I want. If I'm Philly, I want to move as quick as possible away from this scenario. Right. But- I trade Ben Simmons for whatever is available. Right. But
0: here's the problem the
1: the other the other side of it is yes that might
0: be the best case scenario from a culture standpoint long term but how about a winning standpoint because if you if you trade him for the cheap end you you are committing to not only wasting um ben simmons on the 76ers you're doing the same thing with joel embiid because then at that point You're relying on a free agent signing and coming to Philadelphia when Philadelphia has historically not exactly been a free free agent agent destination. Like, yeah, sure. You could you could, in theory, get a guy to come and sign and say, hey, I want to play with Joel Embiid. But that's great. That historically hasn't really happened in Philadelphia. The only way that they've gotten these guys is through the draft or through the trade or through a trade. So. You know, and the other piece of it, too, is if I'm Daryl Morey, if I'm the Philadelphia 76ers, here's the other piece of it. You want to show these teams how good you are and you like to ultimately get your pick of where you want to go. Hey, Ben Simmons, you said you've been working on your jump shot this off season. Hey, now you get to prove it to these other organizations. You know, hey, like apparently he's really worked this off season on this thing. I'm not saying I believe that. I'm saying that this is another way to call him on his bluff and to actually come and show it. And the only way that he can do that and the only way to get his value up and the only way he's going to get out of here if he truly wants to is if you suit up and play. So I don't but, think.
1: Sean, one more thing about that is mm-hmm. that Philly put themselves in this situation. Right, and that's like, what I'm saying. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. like you said, like 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 kissing Ben Simmons goodbye for a bag of chips and then essentially setting yourself up for Joel and B. to do the same thing. I have no sympathy for that.
0: Oh, I don't have any sympathy either. I'm just saying this is the only this is like their final play to even salvage something. That's that's what I'm saying. This is the only like right. This isn't what I think is, is the, is the right move. This isn't what I think is going to happen. This is, this is like, this is what they have to be thinking. Or this is probably, what this is us
1: playing all the cards.
0: Yeah. 100%. This is, this is like, you're on your final hand of poker. You're all in through four cards. You can tell that you're going to lose the matchup. You have a 1% chance of beating the other guy. You're hoping for that magic card that will somehow give you a full house. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. like so at this point, you know, mm-hmm. you bring them in because at this, because they haven't talked in three months. Mm-hmm. So at this point they have the, the first step is they got to talk and they got to actually listen to each other and see where they're at. Because at that point they can have a conversation and Philly can say, okay, yep. And on second thought, let's go ahead and make a trade. Let's make a reasonable deal. Um, Sacramento, you have some young assets. Let's move on. Let's salvage this. However, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it it just it's going to depend on what those conversations say, because, you know, at at a certain point, 76ers do have the say here. They do have the leverage of, you know, paying him. um, But also, um, you know, you got to do what's best for your team. And it probably, at this point, the best for the team is not having him in the locker room because if he's going to – I would imagine that those teammates that were told not to come to Los Angeles are probably um, not going to want to welcome him back in with open arms in the locker room. I mean, maybe they do. Maybe I'm wrong, (laughs) but that's just me.
1: And I got one more thing to add to the Philly thing, away from Ben Simmons, but Mm -hmm. still we're dealing with Philly, is this past week – I don't know if you heard, Sean – but Allen Iverson came out and said he doesn't understand and is very hurt that over the past five, ten years, Philadelphia has never offered him a position on the team in any capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Thoughts on that, Sean?
0: hmm So as a Detroit sports fan, it triggers me in a way. Um, because it reminds me very much of the situation with the Detroit Lions and with Calvin Johnson. Um, you know, I to me, I would say Allen Iverson is the best thing to happen to Philadelphia basketball since Julius Irving played. Um and the amount that he did for that franchise, even if they never won a championship, um, the finals run that they, they won got a finals to, game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they got to a finals. He um, he broke so many records on that team. He did so much and he is so synonymous with the city of Philadelphia and the culture of the 76ers that, you know, as as someone that is a is a fan of sports and a fan of these athletes, you know, I I agree in the sense that. It is mind-boggling that Allen Iverson isn't part of the organization because imagine from the player's standpoint how how great it would be to know that you can have a guy like Allen Iverson to talk to, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. I mean heck Ben Wallace, he he just got brought on in an organizational spot with the Pistons. I mean the mm-hmm. the San Antonio Spurs, they just did the same thing with Manu Ginobili, Ginobili you know? Ginobili, so yeah. so if I'm Allen Iverson, I'm looking at these franchises that get it. Because clearly Troy we- Troy Weaver gets it. You know, clearly the guys in the Pistons front office get it of saying, okay, how do we establish this culture? By bringing in these guys that are that culture. And so if I'm the Philadelphia 76ers, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm looking for anything. Like, whatever you want, AI. I mean, they
1: already brought in Elton Brand.
0: Yeah. You brought in Elton Brand. Why not bring in Allen Iverson? You know, like, I, <laughs> like what it the doesn't heck? make sense. Yeah. yeah. So I guess yeah.
1: my only thing is – you know throughout his career and even post career allen iverson has kind of been seen as a liability in some fashions
0: yeah. yeah
1: the cultural icon but also the unpredictable bombshell
0: yeah yeah but i mean it doesn't have to be a full time Spot. It could even be like what Drake is, where he's the team ambassador. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he can just, yeah, he could be yeah. a public face that you have at home games. He can be, you know, he can just be someone that you bring in as an advisor for free agency.
1: Correct. Yeah, something or a scout.
0: Yeah, like literally. Well, I mean, I don't know. Scouts. That's a <laughs> that that is a very it's better weird, than nothing, Sean. <laughs> okay, but. The last thing you want out of a scout, <laughs> if you're talking bombshell, unpredictable, like scout, being a scout is an objectively nerdy job. Like you have to love watching random ass basketball and like
1: just you look be a good scout, Sean. I, I,
0: I mean, I, I, I appreciate that. I don't know, man. That's I mean, I think I have a good eye for talent, but like, you know, it is a different level because like. Not only is it the eyes, but like you have to look at the statistics and there and there and all that stuff like, um, but you know it Alan Iverson as a scout, I'm just picturing him going to Turkey, like, yeah, hey, I'm Alan Iverson, I'm here to watch uh Bosmov play so we could draft him the second round like that that it's just a funny image to me but, yeah. uh-huh, but yeah, so to me and 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 by the way if uh if uh if the if Sheila Ford Kemp is listening to this podcast, just pay Calvin Johnson a million dollars and say we're sorry. You owe him a million dollars, pay him a million dollars. Damn it. But anyway, that's a conversation for a different podcast. Yeah,
1: quoting Sean Murphy, it's uh what would you say? It's it's a cold day in H E double hockey sticks if Troy and I have to make an NFL podcast, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. By the way, John Gruden, crazy human being. That's a that's a wow. Sorry, I'm eating a part a pop tart right now. I totally shouldn't be. Anyway, next part, Troy. You know what time it is, my guy?
1: Time time to to go to South Dakota and check out Mount Rushmore. Heck
0: yeah, man. (laughs) We are going to Mount Rushmore from Mount Rushmore with Troy. And this time. We're actually going on Mount Rushmore. What are we doing today, Troy?
1: So today, Sean, we're going to be doing a very interesting thing. Back to Mount Rushmore. We did a five-part legacy series that I thought went extremely well, wouldn't you say, of hash, rehashing some old names that we might have forgot of. But, mm-hmm. of course, we never actually forgot because they live in our hearts. Uh, those types oh of players God. that we talked about. Uh, so today we're going to be back to Mount Rushmore after a five-week break. And today, we are going to be doing a Mount Rushmore of top international players. But wait, Sean, there's a two-part catch. A uh, two-part catch, catch? The first catch is they have to be retired, okay, a.k.a. not currently in the NBA.
0: So not Giannis, is what Not Giannis
1: or Luca. Mm-hmm. Okay, so not Giannis or Luca. Mm-hmm. Second catch, which will really throw us for a loop, is they could not have played college basketball at an American university. So Mm -hmm. that scratches Hakeem Elijah one off the list, and that Mm -hmm. scratches Steve Nash off the list. Mm -hmm. So strictly international players who were drafted as international players, Mm -hmm. not international players that played college basketball. Makes sense to me. So opening up on our list of top international players the point guard the don't quote me on this five-time nba champion from france tony parker
0: four-time nba champion
1: tony for four, parker. Mm-hmm. To- four t- yes because he got drafted in 2000 right 2001 mm-hmm. so he didn't he wasn't on that 99 team okay correct gotcha. yep mm-hmm. yes okay four-time NBA champion. Hey, Tony. Still Parker. four.
0: Yeah, still four times. I, I suppose that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, listen, he's yeah, Mal Rushmore, 100%. I mean, you know, he um he he was never the he was never the best player on his team, but he was never appreciated for what he brought to the game because he Correct. just was. Correct. People under people under a, how just how skilled crafty guy oh my gosh just um the man was an artist with the basketball just driving to the rim everything that he could do unreal
1: Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely absolutely
0: Absolutely on the mount rushmore
1: and it's amazing that you're right never the best player on his team but he will be a hall of famer one day Mm -hmm. like that's a hundred percent Mm -hmm. That's no 99. That's 100% Tony Parker will be in the Hall of Fame of basketball one day. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, It's a matter of his craftiness, because of his championship, and and because of the the stats that he was able to put up. And he was always a consistent guy, too. Always consistent. Really, if you play for the San Antonio Spurs, you better be consistent. But uh, he was consistent, and he could get to the whole – you know, I think of even later on in his career within that, that uh, both well, both finals against the Heat, um, he, in 2014 and 13, he put on a show each and every night. And, and mm-hmm. that was later in his career too. And Tim Duncan, I guess you could say, did the same thing. Um, he will not be on this list, even though he's from uh, the Dominican Republic. He played college basketball at Wake Forest. So no Tim Duncan, spoiler alert. But, um, no,
0: no Dikembe Matumbo either. That was going to be my... Next yeah. pick, man. Where did he play
1: college? Uh Georgetown. Okay, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, Tony Parker get to the rim. Uh, he could he could shoot the ball too. Really underrated shooter, I think, especially mm-hmm. for the mid range. Especially for the mid range. And he can yeah. even stroke a little bit down down uh, the three point line. And I know on Twitter we we you you kind of introduced me to this. I see it every once in a while of uh, a player that played on a random team towards the end of his career. And then you say that name legend. Uh, we did it last week with Trevor Ariza, Pistons legend, right? We Tracy Piston, McGrady, yeah. Pistons red legend, DeAndre uh, Jordan
0: Pistons legend. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hakeem Elijah on Raptors legend. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Parker, Charlotte Hornets legend.
0: <laughs> hey, we get a new one. Now we get a, we get both Raptors legend, Stanley Johnson. And now we get chicago bulls legend stanley johnson i don't like that <laughs> i
1: don't like that but i especially don't like charlotte hornets legend Tony that was Spartan. that was that was just so hard to watch because that man is a san antonio spur to the day he dies and even yeah. even as a pistons fan like it's so cool now cuz i was so heartbroken when Richard Hamilton went to the Chicago bulls mm-hmm. and you were so heartbroken this before I kind of watched basketball, but you were so heartbroken when Ben Wallace became a Chicago bull. And I had to grow up watching Ben Wallace as a Cleveland Cavalier. Oh. Uh. That that um, one
0: and, hurt even more than the bulls, to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah. That one felt like he went to the
1: dark side. So I can imagine for, but, but now as a Pistons fan, 10 years after the fact of all that shenanigans, like these guys are pistons. Mhm. Yeah. Like, like, 100%. It's, it's it's like it's like I was so salty and jealous at the time that these guys were putting on uniforms that they should never put on. But in their heart, in their heart, they were always pistons. Mm-hmm. And and that's something I couldn't see as a 12-year-old, but I can 100% see now. Um yeah, listen, and- at
0: at the end of the day, um you know, there are um it's kind of like how um Pau Gasol, he might have played other places in his career. He might have yep. started his career in Memphis. He's yeah. always going to be a Laker. Um, right, absolutely. There there are just certain guys that um, you know, once you have been part of this franchise, like Grant Hill is always going to be synonymous with the Pistons. He might have played. Even in though he was
1: a magic and a yeah.
0: Sun. Yeah. Like even though uh even though Shaq he played for five different teams in his career, he's a Laker.
1: And and won two championships. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, two different
1: teams. Yeah.
0: And and the Spurs, they were a team. um, They were a team that I hated growing up, Mm -hmm. too. And so Mm -hmm. uh, but now as an adult, I I admire and respect so much about the Spurs because they Mm -hmm. they really remind me of the Pistons of it was all, you know, it was all uh, an effort together. And and I would argue the next spot on Mount Rushmore. I'm not sure how you were planning on going about this of of I'm not sure if you had a list or if we were creating the list. Um,
1: because I, in the back of my head.
0: Yeah, you, know, you have a list in the back of your head. So we were creating this together. Yeah. Okay, and I
1: think, I think our number two is going to be the same if we're yeah, on this path. Yeah. It,
0: yeah. Because the next let's person, say it, let's say on three, let's say yeah, Manu Ginobili. Manu Ginobili. <laughs> Good.
1: I'm glad we we're on the same page, Sean. We, oh, we yeah. didn't have to. We didn't have to rehearse that or anything. No,
0: Manu I, I, that, that's just a hard name to say in unison. So it's yeah. just yeah. I was like Manu Ginobili. Yeah.
1: We formerly had Manu Ginobili on our other Mount Rushmore of left-handed shooters or left-handed uh-huh. players. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. And now he's back. Uh, mm-hmm. Manu Ginobili, another guy, Argentina, uh, second-round pick. Uh, in the, in one of the drafts in the late 90s, I think, 98, maybe, 99, somewhere around there. Uh, so a late, a late second-round pick from the great country of Argentina. Uh, he comes in the league and becomes, again, not the best player on that t- Spurs team, but pretty darn close um as a guy who again 100% will be in the hall of fame mm-hmm. and he really torched us that 05 series mm-hmm. against the pistons i was watching some highlights especially even like game 6 which we won but even game 6 and game 7 he hit some good shots um and and really he was a big piece of that 2005 uh nba finals for the spurs and even all the other finals that they won too with with Manu. so I, man I, a guy who's a scorer so underrated score. I, I, was, I was just gonna.
0: Score. I, I was just gonna say, if you were to put a list of of the most underrated players of the past twenty years, I think I think Manu Ginobili is the top of the list. Mm-hmm. I I think um, he first of all, if he if he was the number one option on a team, he could ev- he could have easily averaged twenty five a night. Um, he was a great shooter. He was a solid slasher. He. The things that Manu Ginobili did that made the Spurs Mm -hmm. such a dangerous team. I mean, the guy. I mean, he was he would he would start. He would come off the bench. He he literally did whatever that team needed him to do. And he never, never had an ego. Never, never got in the way. Like he just he was just a winner. And, um, you know how he was, a, he was a great, uh, international player too, in the sense of, of rep- representing Argentina and all the battles that we would have against, against him in Argentina. Um, you know, he was like one of those international players that I know I was like, ah, crap, we have to play Manu Ginobili, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, everything about Manu Ginobili, like he is, um, he's just a Mount Rushmore type guy. For a lot of reasons, um, he's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer um, as well. I think that Spurs dynasty or that Spurs um, team in general is just going to be a team that like we're never going to see that again. Like like in the NBA or at least not for a long time. Where you just have guys that stick together. They're kind of the quiet stars. They're always in the mix. They're always in the Western Conference finals picture. Like they were, they had such a run in the West. And they had
1: everything together too. And I want to say, even that 2013 and 14 uh, finals runs that they had, they really both, they kind of came out of the blue, but like none of us were shocked either. Yeah. that they were playing the Heat in the finals and LeBron, right? Like, Man of Ginobili, I remember the day he retired and it was like, wow today's actually a sad day for the NBA, right? Yep. Like it, it, mm-hmm. it's genuinely a sad day. That was one um, of those,
0: that was one of those moments where it felt like the world stops.
1: Yeah. When managing retired. Absolutely. Yeah. I fully agree. Um, and yeah, a good defender too, an underrated defender. And I honestly, Sean, I would do a Mount Rushmore now of, of underrated players in the past 20 years, but guess what? If we're, we're going to, if we did this this past week of international and we have Tony Parker, and nobody on our lists, We can't just do another Mount Rushmore. Yeah, because they're both going to be on the list. Are are on the list too, right? Uh Yeah, it'd be pointless to do that. So, um, yes, two of the absolute most underrated players, same team. If you think about it,
0: this is almost kind of what an international list is too, because yeah, that's true, Sean. Because for a long time, um, like especially like. You know, it was a stigma coming into the league if you were if you were international, like, you know, like, especially with the like, you know, the Darko Milicic thing. It's like, oh, right. you're 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 European and you have a last name that's hard to pronounce. You're either yeah. a good three point shooter or irrelevant. And it's like, right. that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um But, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, definitely. For sure. I um, like
1: that you made that point because that was mm-hmm. good. So, OK, so third on my list. OK, so fourth. <laughs> So there's, there's only be probably the obvious one. Yeah, I and have two. Can, I have okay. two,
0: I have two more in my head that I that I can think of. And I would be shocked if, if these two players are not on this list. So I would okay. love, I,
1: I have one for sure that like there I'm throwing hands. I'm driving to Grand Rapids to beat you up. If this guy's not on our list, I've so, no,
0: I've avoided saying his name because I wanted you to have the opportunity. Okay.
1: So, so my heart's happy. Let, let's let's just get today. that
0: one out of the way.
1: Okay. Okay. Can I say it, Sean? Yeah, go Can ahead. Yeah, it? of course. Yeah. From the great land of Germany. Mm-hmm. Number forty-one, yep. yep, from the Dallas Mavericks, Dirk Nowitzki.
0: Other than other Na'Keem Olajuwon, the greatest international player of all time.
1: Yes, I fully agree. And uh, yeah, I just I love I love Dirk. Like he's the only player, Sean, that when when he had a good game or even just scored against our Detroit Pistons, I was fine with it. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like he's the only player that I. S- sincerely wished had a good game against us because it was just an opportunity to watch Dirk play. He is my favorite player, my favorite player of the past 20 years um, by far. Uh, everyone from fifth grade, ever since I played basketball in fifth grade, people compared him to me or I, me to him. I'm sorry. Um, all the way compared up to, him to
0: like, wow. Dirk Nowitzki is like a Troy surrogate. <laughs>
1: up to when i was in 12th grade yeah um i was dirk and when 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 people saw a a eighth grade game a freshman game a jv game a varsity game they saw me and said dirk and i always like took pride in that because of how much i love dirk myself and and for a, for a fan or a parent to watch me, little me play and see my favorite player and and not know that it's my favorite player but still tell me that like it it was awesome so like dirk is just oh my gosh i love dirk i got to see him play my senior year of high school against mm-hmm. the pistons at the palace it was so cool uh but he's a guy 2011 nba finals nvp uh 2011 champion uh the 2000 2000- wish he would have won
0: more wish he would have won more than one in my opinion yeah. i um i mean you know there was the there was the finals against the Heat in 2006, the come- yeah. or the, or two thousand and six, the comeback or yeah, two thousand six, where uh, Dwayne Wade has his coming out party, and they had the yeah. comeback to win the finals, um, right? You know, and he I, won
1: the MVP that year, I believe too.
0: Yeah, I think, in my opinion, one of the greatest tragedies of Dirk's career was the fact that they never adequately got enough talent around him to pull the to get it done because there were so many years and people forget, but like the Mavericks were number one in the Western Conference for quite a bit.
1: Yeah, they, they were
0: and and they were uh, they would often make it to the Eastern Con- to the Western Conference finals. They would always, you know, have really good series against the Lakers or the Spurs, mm-hmm. um, you know, whenever Dirk would run in with Steve Nash. At one point, he was teammates with Steve Nash, you know, like just, um, you know, the how it was just so special. And people, um, you know, a, a lot of it was just made about what the Heat mm-hmm. did wrong in 2013 when when the mavericks won the title uh um, 2011 yeah 2011 yeah. Uh, my apologies when when the mavericks won the title in 2011 a lot of people made it about what the what the heat did wrong
1: right but they didn't yeah.
0: focus on how sensational dirk played how sure. great the mavericks did and like you know it was it just—he was just one of those guys where he couldn't retire without winning a ring.
1: He couldn't. Right, right. Just yeah, could. there's no doubt. There's no doubt, Sean. And I and I was hoping when he did retire that that 2000 is it seven year when they were the number one seed, they only lost 16 games all year and they yeah. got bounced by the war, the born the Baron Davis Warriors. Yeah, in the, the first round. Yeah. Um, the, but the, I haven't heard anyone talk about that series like since. So I'm glad that wasn't a, a legacy of Dirk, really. I mean I mean people talk about that
0: series but they talk about it's really more so the triumph of the Warriors, you know. Right than the downfall of the Mavericks. Yeah, because I mean it's not it's not Dirk's fault. You know what I mean? Like I mean he didn't have the greatest series, but I mean I mean, hey, how much he's done for Dallas, like listen man, he top ten like top ten player of all time.
1: As far as fade talent. away. Oh my gosh. I think he's seven, seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Um, He caught that ball in the low block and, and kicked his right, right leg mm-hmm. up in that fade away. And it yep. was nothing but net t- yep. every time. Oh, I get and, chills just thinking about it. And
0: as, and as much as I could just talk all day about Dirk Nowitzki, I got to know Troy. So I have a name in my head.
1: For I the have a name too. Shot. And what I'm hoping we can do, Sean, just like we did, uh, with our Mount Rushmore shooters, member I had yeah. Reggie Miller, you had Clay yeah. Thompson. Yeah. I'm hoping we can say at the same time because I, I think we're thinking of two different people, but we could be thinking of the same person. And let's just debate each other until we can settle, and we'll have the loser be the honorable mention. Is that wait,
0: fair? wait that that's fair? But I have a counter idea. Okay. What if we name who we think the other person's thinking of?
1: Okay. And yeah.
0: And and then we do we do the rest of it after that.
1: Okay. All right, yeah. who do you th-
0: who do you think I'm thinking of?
1: You're thinking of Tony Kukoc. Okay. Who do you think I'm thinking of?
0: I thought you were thinking of Paige Stoyakovic.
1: No. Who are you thinking of? Paige Stoyakovich probably would be my fifth or sixth. I'm thinking of Yao Ming. I'm thinking of Yao Ming. What? What? <laughs> All right, yeah. Okay. Thank goodness, because it's Yao Ming. Like from the great land of China. First pick in the 2001 NBA. No, that was Me Brown. 2002 NBA draft. <laughs> mm-hmm. I
0: was going to so say, cr- Troy, I was like, you can't have a list of the greatest international players and not include the Chinese seven 7'6 monster in the paint. Yeah. Yao Ming. We were on the same page. Listen, man. I, he, his, um, he, the thing about his career is it wasn't long. And his dominance didn't last long either.
1: Correct. Because you can't be that tall and mm-hmm. expect to run down the court as much times as Yao Ming did. But guess what? He honestly did.
0: But, yeah, because that's the thing. Because cause here's the thing. When he did play. <laughs> excuse me. It, when he did play and when he was healthy and when he was on the court.
1: Yeah beast almost as unstoppable as Shaq but not mm-hmm. quite
0: mm-hmm. yeah 100
1: he wasn't know. a bust that's for sure
0: heck no heck no um yeah it's it's Yao Ming I mean everything he did for the game mm-hmm. I mean the ambassador he was that's why the- he's
1: in the hall of fame is big be- not because of his NBA career but what he did to China China's the number our basketball is the number one sport in China yeah like, like it. it talk about
0: a it's, legacy in china we talked about stefan marbury yeah, yao, yao ming, ming. Yeah, yeah it's it is yao ming he's 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 the he's the godfather of basketball in china it feels like you know he right um you know ultimate you know he he didn't do a ton as far as accomplishments in the game like mm-hmm. like statistically. didn't win any mvps no no finals but, MVPs. but multi-time all-star mm-hmm. um uh, he got over 9,200 points in his career, 4,400 rebounds, 900 blocks. Um, and, That's a big stat right there. Yeah. Um, and of the 17 players who reached those touchstones through their first eight seasons, 13 of them are or will inevitably be in the Hall of Fame.
1: Mm-hmm. And so. to think he kind of actually had a like somewhat rivalry with Shaq. Yeah, pretty darn cool because like yeah. Shaq doesn't have rivals, but Yao Ming was as close of a rival to Shaq as anyone.
0: It, I mean, he was the only one that you could make a legitimate argument was mm-hmm. as dominant. Now, granted, mm-hmm. if, if they were to play in a seven game series, my money's on Shaq because mm-hmm. I Shaq think Shaq in
1: probably five, maybe six. Tops. Yeah, because
0: you know, because even though even though yao ming did have the dominance of his height, Shaq had the dominance of his will and of his mm-hmm. of his motor and of his mm-hmm. of his it, it, like his strength. And so to me I'm going to take strength over height all day every day, but me too. I mean listen man, Okay, I mean, Hashim ming, to beat. Yao Ming was no scrub. <laughs> yao Ming was yao yeah, was yeah, no, yeah look at it. Yeah, look at Hashim to beat. Case in point. Um scrub. I'm surp- I'm surprised we had the same one on that last one.
1: Yeah, I'm really happy we did too because Yao Ming needed to be on our list. And yeah, one hundred percent. So true. One hundred And I think somewhat. Okay, I, I gotta watch what I'm saying here, but somewhat, <laughs> somewhat of an underrated shooter because yeah. he had a little yeah. mid-range game.
0: Yeah, he. Yeah, he is an under. That was an At under seven
1: six. Yeah, six inches that was shorter actually, than eight feet tall. That was actually
0: something I was gonna bring up. Was like unlike Shaq. He could yeah. actually, he could actually score outside of the paint. He was a multi-level yeah. threat,
1: definitely. And here is the thing: and how you going to block a
0: seven-six mid-range jump shot? You are not.
1: You are not. You are not. And not only was Yao Ming tall, but he was long too.
0: Hmm. Yep. One hundred percent. He could. He could genuinely dunk it without jumping, which is insane.
1: And I don't know if Yao Ming has any regrets on his career, but maybe like like if you throw Yao Ming in today's game. Um, I think he needs that mid range even a little develop yeah. a little more, mm-hmm. and I, I don't. I think, oh, we we could be talking about the Yao Ming MVP had he had he developed that a little better.
0: Yeah, I I, I almost wonder if Yao Ming would have made the league. I mean, I mean, I think the answer is probably yes. He was skilled, but, like, I mean, it wasn't as much of a shoe-in. It wouldn't be as much of a shoe-in now as it was back in the day. You know what I mean? Oh, but right.
1: Like, uh, uh, consensus number one pick.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Whereas, you know, guys like Taco Fall now are on the mm-hmm. main red clause sponsored yeah. by Dosakis. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> but,
1: but now yeah, he's a Cleveland Cavalier.
0: That, that is true. Man, what an unfortunate soul. But a
1: second-round pick. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And they're the yeah. same height, aren't they? Or no, he, or Taco's 7.5, right?
0: Yeah, Taco's 7.5. Yeah. Okay,
1: so he's an inch taller taller yep. than Taco.
0: Yep. What a scrub that Taco fall. But that,
1: <laughs> ladies
0: and gentlemen, is going to do it for this episode of From Half Court. You can follow Troy on Twitter at TroySergi44. You can follow me at, at SeanHalfCourt. Court. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you next time from Half Court. Be sure to subscribe.